Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to read from some psalms that God gave me uh, partially yesterday and really went into them t um, uh, this morning. And really incredible. Now, of course, again, when we read the psalms, obviously, they were not directly in one sense spoken to us and that means isagogics. Isagogics is, is really, it's studying, allowing the Holy Spirit to take the word at that particular time when he was speaking to those particular people. But he can still use it for us. And that's the difference. He was speaking to them, but that's why the word of God and these beautiful Psalms, they are for us. Because in all the positive truth that's in those particular psalms, they are all written, obviously, in, in and with the Spirit of Christ, Him being the very Word of God in John 1 and verse 1. And again, that's why, that's why again, even in 1 Corinthians, and I'll just read again so that we can understand this, have a full understanding of what this was written for us. There's no question. There were certain things that God spoke and wrote to Israel at that particular time. But even in doing that, he still spoke them for us. And that's why in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by God's very breath. In God, God's very breath, his outbreathing, his very, very nature through the word. And it's profitable for us. And so in 1 Corinthians 10, we see here in verse 6, it says, Now these things were our examples. There where we learn. God can still speak to us. Those that, that are in Christ, we are positioned in him. Nothing can change our position. But he still has to, he still will use the word to speak for us in our experience, and we can learn by it. So it says, now these things were our examples or our figures or types. To the intent, we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and neither be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down. Tell me this isn't the world system today has it changed the world system? No, no. It's just gotten worse, you see. But the world system, and we know that, that uh, Satan used Cain to establish the world system in Genesis 4, 16 to 22. And has it changed even now? Read Genesis, the fourth chapter, 16, uh, to, to the, even to the end, but specifically to verse 21 and 22. You will see that the world system hasn't changed as far as people wanting to eat, to sit down, meaning they're not going forward, to sit down, to eat, to drink, and they rose up to play. And it's all about entertainment. You can see it, right, in Genesis, the fourth chapter. But even here, it's not changed. And that's what he's warning us. He's warning us through this. Then we see in 1 Corinthians ten eleven, it says, Now all these things happen unto them, for types, and we're to learn by them. And they are written for our admonition. Do you see the word for? You see, that's the difference between the two. 
He was speaking to them, but it was still for us to understand in our experiential growth. So, so they were written for our admonition. Do you see that? That's what, again, all scripture is given for us in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. Upon whom the ends of the age, if you see world there, it's age, the particular time period, are come. Think about that for us. Upon whom the ends of this particular age are come. Listen to that. Isn't that amazing? Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And then it goes into, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is, is equal to every man, saved or unsaved. But God is faithful to us, who will not allow you and I to be tempted above that which we are able, meaning he'll always give us a supernatural ability and power through the word that Christ is by the power of the Holy Spirit. But with, but with the temptation, also make a way to escape. To escape what? The world system from entering into us, into our thought life. And so, again, that we may be able to bear up under it as men of God, as women of God. So wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Idolatry. I speak as to wise men, discern, discern you what I'm saying. So here in Psalm 73, we're going back to God is addressing. He's addressing the psalmist in Israel in their present condition as a result of them just not obeying God. So Psalm 73 verse 1 says, Truly God, truly God is good to Israel. Was he anything other than good to them? So God is good. And how do we, how do we experience it today? How do we experience the goodness that God has given us through his precious son? Even as such of our a clean heart, which means our mind. I think it's interesting when we look at this, when Jesus was speaking again, and he was speaking to multitudes. He was speaking to his own. He was speaking to the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes, who all came together against him. But when he was speaking that, he, he spoke that to them. And when, what he said to them is, store up treasure. Store up your treasure. Not earthly treasures. Store it up. And that's Christ in us, who is the treasure. In Second Corinthians 4 and verse 7. Store it up. That's what he said. Store it up. Store up the treasure. What is the treasure? What is the treasure? But the very word of God. What's the treasure? It is the very word of God. What's the greatest thing? And the only thing that we're taking off this earth when we go to see him. It's the word. It's the treasure of the word. What do I form my plan and my schedule around? Oh, God. Oh, Lord, help us. But that's what he said. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 21, he said, for where your treasure is, notice this, there will your heart be also. My heart, which means my present experience, my mind, emotions, will, self-consciousness, and my conscience. But the truth is that when my will isn't submitted to him, 
who is the treasure, then something else occupies and I consider to be of treasure. And what is that? If it's not God's love, then what is it? It's some form of a lust. A it's simply a, a some kind of a lust pattern. I'm trained to think that way. And so here he says, the psalmist says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. How many times maybe we had thought that? My feet were almost gone. My steps were so close to slipping, but thank God for us. And he was teaching true Israel, by the way, true Israel. You'll see that in Romans 9, verses 4 to 6, and you will see it in Galatians 6 and verse 16. Even those that he considered to be true Israel, truly those that were his, truly, he, he said, he would say to them in Deuteronomy 33 and verse 27, he said, when you fall, when you fall, he said, underneath are the eternal arms. So that even you and I in Christ, we may experience falling in our experience, but never in our position. But that's what makes our time. Our time is so important. Time is such an important thing. But again, underneath are the eternal arms. In the Hebrews, really, it states that underneath the, 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 the bottom that you think you fall into, Underneath are his eternal arms. And of course, that's our position in Christ, just as much as it was for true Israel. But again, we see here, he said that my steps had almost nigh slipped. Look, now listen to what it says. For I was envious at the foolish. Who the, who's a fool? Their whole thought life in, in Psalm 10, verse 4 Okay, their whole thought life, every thought is no God. That's what it says. The fool has said in his heart, no God. Listen, if you have a mind and you still have a will and you're able to make decisions, you know, I don't care, saved or un unsaved, you know, you know God. He's revealed himself to you. You can be sure of that. Outside of being a child that didn't reach the age of accountability in the perfection of God's plan when he does cover them and take them home, or if you were born with some kind of uh, a disease or something that would affect you from functioning in free will, fact of the matter is, you do know God. He's made himself literally, and that even in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 and, and Ezekiel 18, 23 to 33, make it clear he's not willing that any should perish. So how would, he, how would they not? By knowing him. Simply by knowing him. So again, but who is a fool? A fool. They, a fool makes themselves to operate as a god and be equal or even above him. And Psalm 50 and 21, you thought, he said, you thought I was altogether like you. How many think they're led by the counsel of God? and doesn't have a thing to do with them, and still use scriptures and ways out to do it. When it says in Psalm 10, verse 4, in the King James, God is, is not in all their thoughts, meaning it's not in some, not at all. 
Not that they don't know him, but in Psalm 14, 1 to 3, and Psalm 53, 1 to 3, the fool has said in his heart, No, God, no. Nope. You know why? Because in Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of those ways are the ways of what? Death, which speaks of separation. And can a believer be born again? on their way to heaven, but live separated experientially from God. And how would that be? But not by the love of God that would be their guide and their direction through the word, but it would be lusts, the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we can see that, what happened in the garden in Genesis 3 and verse 6, but right up until first century in 1 John 2 and verse 16, we see it very, very very, very clearly, very clearly. Well, he said in Psalm 73, verse 3, he said, I was envious at the foolish. Who's a fool? They live by their own self-interpretation of God, apart from the word or even use the word to do it. And you'll see that in Proverbs 18, 1 and 2. You'll see it. That's who a fool is. A fool is one who lacks wisdom. If you lack wisdom, you don't have the protection of God's love because God, in who he is in love, always functions towards us in wisdom. Why don't we ask? Because we do we really want God? In James 1.5, if you really want him, you will ask. You will ask in James 1.5. But here we see this true. He said, I was envious at the wicked when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Do you see some now that are so far removed from God? It doesn't seem like they have a care in the world. They're not going through anything. They have enough money and everything. They seem like, and here I am in this trial and what I'm going through. You ever think of that? And then we start to think it's strange in 1 Peter 4.12 that this fiery trial is trying us. Why? Because we have the gold of Christ in us and he's separating all the foolish, lustful, evil pride things that we will use in the material sense to replace him. And even those thoughts, he comes in. Even in those thoughts, he does that. He comes right in to separate them. And when I no longer want the separation in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, how do I walk in spiritual warfare? In Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Well, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, well, verse 4, for there are no bands in their death. They get, it seems like they have it made, but their strength is firm, meaning fat. I mean, they don't look like... They get, look, I look at what my life right now as a Christian and I look at other people. Really? That's the measure of my success. It's so interesting. No, look at verse 5. They are not in trouble. They don't have troubles like we do. They don't. Why? Because who does God use the enemy to trouble? Those that are his. In Job 23 and verse 16. The Almighty troubles me. Why? To make my heart soft. To, to cause the distance between the lust and his love. That's what he's doing with us. We somehow think we're still supposed to have prosperity on this earth. We think so. We do. When we are a heavenly people and this whole world system. Oh, gosh. Truly, 
truly, truly, in one moment. We, we could go to bed tonight and we could think we could wake up tomorrow and everything could be the same. Well, I don't know about you, but have you seen lately what's going on in our country? Oh boy. And the freedom we still have to this moment to seek true treasure. Well, they are not in, in trouble like us, men. Neither are they plagued like other men, like us. That's what the psalmist is saying. They don't seem to be going through anything. Well, why? Therefore, because what? It's their pride that compasses them about as a chain. And that's what pride is. It's like a chain. That's the will not submitted. It's like a chain and keeps us chained. And we keep functioning year after year in the same things. And why are we even doing them? What is the motivation for them? Violence covers them as a garment. Has it happened? Maybe not yet, but will it? Well, who's the God of this world? Who caused all the violence in Genesis 6, verse 11? Who caused all the evil in Genesis 6, verse 5, and in Genesis 8, verse 21? Who causes all the evil in this world system? That somehow this world system changed. Like somehow we're going to get up tomorrow morning. Listen, by the time we get up tomorrow morning, truthfully, in this world system, we've lost freedoms and we think we haven't. Oh boy. Oh boy. You ever hear about what's happening with the banks? You see where everything's heading? Do you see where everything is heading? The one world government? We see where that's heading right now. Right now. Right now. What are we going after? Boy. Well, their pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their, their eyes stand out with fatness. It means it's just so proud. So proud. They have more than their heart could wish. That's lust. They cannot get enough. Lust. What is lust? It's insatiable. It will never satisfy. It will never give you true desire. Ever. Ever. They are what? They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They speak loftily. Doesn't this remind you of the enemy? The spiritual conflict that went on in Isaiah 14, 7 to 17, that happened in Ezekiel 28, 15 to the end of the chapter. Do we see what happened? It's brought out clearly. We were born into a spiritual conflict. That's what we were. And thank God we were born again. Some as much don't want to hear that and believe it. <laughs> we were born again. New life. New life in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16, we're not to know any man after the flesh. Meaning, the flesh that's, we're not to judge or accuse, but there's nothing in someone else's flesh, never mind that my own, that should be a source of what we think is something that that's okay. It's not. It's not. All things, are they in the process of passing away about who we are in Christ or have they passed away? And yet we still go after them. Oh, Lord. Second Corinthians 5.17, all things are passed away. All things are new in Him. Huh? 
They speak loftily. Verse 9. They set their mouth against the heavens. Well, where did that start? In the angelic conflict. When Lucifer became Satan. And who's the God of this world? Do, do we think that's changed? 1231 of John, 1430 of John, Ephesians 2, 2, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world. What do we think the God of this world means? What does that mean? He entraps Christians to live in the world, spend their time in the world, occupy with the things of the world. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. We're in a battle. We are in a battle, spiritual warfare. How should we live? Well, this is what it says. Function just like the world. And it's okay, too, you know. No, it's not. 2 Timothy 2, 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong. Where? Where's our strength come from? What we have materially? Be strong in the grace that is Christ Jesus in you and you and him. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit you to faithful men who will all be able also to teach others. To teach them what? Business? You're going to, te you're going to teach them business? Really? No, the word. That's what it says here, the word. To teach others. You, you therefore, boy, I wish young people could hear this one. I wish certain people could hear this one. And I need to hear it. Listen, I mean this, I promise you. I need to hear it. I want to make that clear, okay? You therefore endure hardness. <laughs> what? As a good soldier. Of who? Of Jesus Christ. No man that wars. That's in this spiritual conflict. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Whatever you do, whatever your family does, need to know it's God. Need to know it's truly Him. Truly Him. All of us do. Don't get tangled up with the affairs, the details of this life. What are we preparing ourselves for? What are we preparing those that we preach and teach to? As God teach, teaches us. What are we preparing our families for? For what? What is, what is it? What are we preparing them for? Do they get the word? Now, honestly, I want to ask that. Do, do we, all of us, and do our family members, do they get the word enough, truly? Or is it other things that get in the way? Is it the affairs of this life? And only God can literally convict us of the reality of those things. He, he's the only one that can do that. But he uses the word to do it. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who's chosen him to be a soldier. What? A soldier. What kind of life does a soldier live? What kind of life does he live? A civilian life like the rest, does he? The, rest of the, the way the rest of the world lives, does the soldier live that life? Is that not who we are in Christ? Is it? Psalm 73. 
Verse 10, Therefore this people return here, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. Oh boy, what the enemy has planned for believers that don't go forward. I don't know what we think. Honestly, I really honestly don't know what we think. To th- Remember what Jesus said? Remember what he said here, and I'll read it. In John 12th chapter, this is what Jesus said in John 12, and we'll see it here. In verse 35, Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light. Well, well, how, how do we teach them to walk? How do we teach them to walk? Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. What do we think that is? Is that the world system, Satan, who's the author of it? Lest darkness come upon you, for he that walks in darkness knows not where he goes. Listen, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. If our gospel be hid, and that's all the person of Christ, who he is and what he's accomplished. That's not just salvation. Although, of course, it's important. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. How do believers get lost? World system. Lust patterns. Don't want to endure hardness anymore. When it's over for people taking care of me that I can rely on, when that's over, boom, it's time to go. Because they walk in darkness and they know not where they go. You may think so. And I may think so. You may think so, but he knows not where he goes. You know why? Because who does the devil deceive? He deceives the whole world. Can he deceive the Christian that walks under the power of it? Absolutely. I don't know how much time we think we have. Well, while you have the light, believe in the light. And you know that means receiving it and submitting to it. Lest that you may be the children of the light. These things spoke Jesus and departed. And guess what? And he hid himself from them. Oh, boy. Meaning, here's the word. I spoke it to you. Now it's faith without any excuse. It's total dependence without any excuse in John 15 and verse 22. I've heard things like, you know, this man's really going through it. Maybe you should reach out to him. He's depressed and going through it. Okay, I reach out. Then I find out, well, what now? Oh, no, he's doing great again, and he's back in the same place again. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Lord, help us, you know. Therefore, they return there. Where do they do? The people return right back to the same old lust patterns. Right back the same doing the thing, year after year doing it, the same thing, day after day, year after year. Yep. Same thing. I don't know what we think we're investing in. The greatest thing you could invest in you could invest in yourself and those that hear you preach and, and in your children is the word of God. Period. Period. First and foremost, before another thing. Because in Isaiah 40 and verse 8 and Matthew 24 and verse 35, heaven and earth are going to pass away. 
everything. But my word will not pass away because it's forever settled, forever settled in heaven. It is forever settled in heaven. There's no question about it. And where, does our, where are we located? We're in this world, but are we of it? Are we of it? Oh, they're doing great now. I don't know. Are they coming to hear the word of God? Are they living in obedience? And they're doing great? Are they? I'll tell you what, if they're not, God is still getting them to a place where they'll come back to it. I can guarantee you that right now. I can guarantee you that right now. Because I know in my own life. And they say, how does God know? And they can say to you, as one who God has placed in their life for the word to flow through, how do you know? All they're saying is, how, do, how does God know? How does he know? How does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? In other words, is there any value in that? I mean, is there any value in the Word of God? Or has something else got me? I, I can tell you, the enemy has used the lust after money more than anything to get young people from going forward with Christ. Young people. Young people in their 40s and 50s. Young people. He's got them occupied with that. To, why? To pierce them through with many sorrows in 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. Because the inordinate affection that the enemy uses money to attach to you is, is the root of all evil. It's a root. I've seen it destroy more people. Oh, they're doing fine. Really? I don't know about you, but I know when I don't have the word and I'm not submitted, I'm not doing fine. I may have money. I may have a job. I may have everything. But you know what? If I don't have Christ, what does it profit me? 1 Corinthians 13, 2 and 3. Where's my true value? It's in the word and it's in Christ. Unbelievable. Gosh. Well, behold, behold, who are these? The ungodly. Now, I know in 1 Timothy 6, 6, it says godliness, that's experiencing who I am in Christ is great gain. But can I, can I be ungodly in my behavior? Not my character in Christ positionally in 1 John 1, 7, but in my experience. In my conduct, in my behavior. Oh, he's doing great. Really? I mean, you're okay with the... And, and, he's, and you think that's okay? And somehow you think that's fellowship. If it's not Christ, it's not fellowship. 1 John 1, 1 to 3. I don't know. What do we think fellowship is? Being like the world with each other as Christians? It's a wake-up call for us. It is a wake-up call for us. That's Ephesians 5, 13 and 14. Awake you that sleep. And Ephesians 5, and Christ will give you light. He's given us counsel and understanding. And he's teaching us, all of us, here. The ungod Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper. Look what it says in verse 12. In the world. Yeah, how long does that prosperity last? In the world, they increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain. 
have you and wash my hands in innocency. Now think about it, you know, think about it. Well, we can say that. We can say, we can say in our experience when it's not Christ and we think about ourselves. Look at them. I, I'm kind of envious. They don't have to go through what I'm, you really? You're really envious of them? When, because they don't go through things like you go through? Well, who do you think God chastens? Those that are his. That's love. Who do you think God brings in the test? Those that are his. Period. Why do we think that's so strange? We think it's strange to not live like the world? You think that's strange? If we don't? Jeez. Oh, boy. What would we do with our time? And that involves everything about us, by the way. Everything about the details of life has to do with time. And what do we use it for? Is it the word? Is it? They increase in riches. I've cleansed my heart. But listen, verse 14. For all day long have I been plagued. And what? Chastened every morning. That's a bad thing? <laughs> Who does God chasten? In Hebrews 12, 7 and 8. He doesn't ch chasten those that aren't his. Those are called bastards, the product of illegitimate relationship. Can I live that way experientially? And God's going to be okay with that. In my loved ones? I'm okay with that. Oh, help us, Lord. Help us, Father. I'm chastened every morning, thank God. If I say I will speak thus, listen, if I'm going to speak the truth to people, those that are even around me, boy, they used to come, didn't they? I should offend against the generation of this children. I'm going to speak the truth, they're going to be offended. Well, what's that? what kind of effect should that have on you? Should you not preach? Second Timothy 4, one and two, yeah, because the necessity is there's going to come a time, even those that are Christ, well, they're not, they don't want to hear it anymore. They don't want to hear it anymore. And that's Second Timothy 4, verse 3. They're going to make God a form, conform to their lust patterns, and that's 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of it. What's that? That's Christ. That's the Word of God. That's growing in the Word. Wow. Well, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. I know what I should do. Then I see these. I see the unsaved world. They don't, they don't seem to be going through anything. And look at me. Yeah, are you of the world? No. So why do you try to live that way? They're of the world. And then you have those that you even give the word to, and they could care less. They get offended. That's what it's saying here. They get offended. Now what? And then when I thought to know all this, what was it? It became too painful for me. Then what? Until I went into the sanctuary. I don't know. Where is God dwelling right now? In this particular time that we're in. He's dwelling in individuals that make up his church, the local assembly. Listen, the local assembly is to be your occupation. And those there, it just is.
until I went to the sanctuary where I would go and be taught the word of God and be instructed. Then understood I their, their end. And boy, no longer was I envious about them. And no longer could I get offended or oppressed by how those that I taught that don't come anymore and, and think they're okay still. No, they're not. Don't tell me they're okay. No, they're, they're doing good. No, they're not. No. You do good and I do good away from God, away from the word, away from the body. That's good. It's not good. Period. Only here it's good. Everything's good. Yeah, you watch that change in a moment. Then I, then I understood therein. Surely you did set them in a slippery place. They're in a slippery place. You cast them down into destruction. Now, again, again, would God cast us down? No. Would he? No. But would he, when we refuse his grace to learn and be taught the word, and by the way, every morning, the Bible makes it clear, you know. He makes it crystal clear. I don't know. You ever hear? You ever read Lamentations three twenty-two to, to, to all the way down to verse twenty-seven? Do you ever read that? His mercies are new every morning. What do you think that means? That's what. What do we think that means? But you know. But can I be cast down? And can the enemy try and destroy my experience? He can't touch my position. But can he? Yeah. You know what happens when I refuse the discipline, chastening of the grace and truth, even in forms of its preaching, then he allows my own backsliding to correct me in Jeremiah 2 and verse 19. Because in 2 and verse 23 of that same chapter in Jeremiah, I kick up and rebel against it. I kick up my heel like the mule, stubborn mule, whose will refuses to be submitted and then just find a place in the world and make it as comfortable and as cozy as you can. Like the little hedgehog. The little hedgehog. The only time it opens itself up to all its nice smooth little thing is when it's given something. The minute that stops, it rolls itself up into a ball and has all these pointed quills. Stay away from me. I want nothing but comfort inside. It's a world system. Well... How they are brought down, listen, how they are brought down into desolation in what? In a moment. In one moment. Do we think, do we get used to the moments that we have with each other? Do you think we'll have them in our life forever? Do we? In a moment. In one single moment. In a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. Oh boy. When it's not his love protecting me through the precise preaching and teaching of the word of God, fears come in. And we know in 2 Timothy 1.7, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. He has not. But of power. Power and love and a sound mind. I need the power of Christ to keep me from the world and the world from me. And that's the preaching of the cross in Galatians 6 and verse 14. When I don't want the cross separate me in my experience from the lust patterns of the flesh and comfort, I no longer want it. 
I no longer want it. And then I will use others to help me stay in that particular place. We need to cause each other to grow up. We need to teach our children to grow up and depend upon Christ through the Word. Because I don't know the moments. Do you know the moments we have? Well, you better read James 4 and verse 13, 14, and 15. (laughs) You can read that. Our life is but a vapor. Our life is but a vapor. In one moment, gone. But for us, we're in heaven, thank God. In a moment, they're consumed with terrors. Verse 20, as a dream. And I looked at this this morning. I said, what? To, to live in an unsafe state and think things are going to be great. and li- it's, a dr- it's like a dream. You're living a dream. It's not real. There's no reality in it. I went, oh my God. It's not real. You know why? Because it's not God. Have all these dreams and all these plans. Is it God? Is it God that led us? Did he lead me last week? Did he lead me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Was it truly, did he lead me? Was it him leading me? Was it? Was it about the word? First and foremost. As a dream when one awakes. Oh boy. You imagine dreaming, everything's the same. There is no God. Psalm 14, 1, 53, verse 1. There is, I, the fool has said, no God. We don't want you. Psalm 10, 4, Psalm 50, 21. No. And then they wake up and there he is. Realities facing them. Oh Lord, when you awake, oh boy, when you're awakened to my now, then you will despise their image. God despises anything that's not of the image of his son that he's actually given us so that he can reveal himself through him. Through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why in John 1, 1 and 2, the Word was put on, tabernacled Himself in humanity as the Word and came to us. And this is why we have this. God's going to be known. And thank God, we're, we know Him, supposedly. We know Him positionally. Do we know Him experientially? We already know Him. But the world that refuses to to submit to him that don't want anything to do with his image. And that means they don't want anything to do with Christ. That's the only way God gives us his image is through Jesus Christ. And I don't want him. Did you know the world cried out? The, the world, the religious world that didn't want anything to do with God. That's Cain and the whole world system. The religious world. They don't want a relationship with God and accountability and responsibility. No, with a cross that would separate them from the world. They want a God of this world. That's 2 Corinthians 4.4. That's what the enemy does to believers. And they get lost. And they get confused. And they start going by what the world has and they, versus what they have and what they teach others and how it affects them. Well, they have a dream. When you awake, you will despise. They said in John 18, 40, the religious crowd said, not this man. And who did they give him over when they cried out in John 19, verse 15, crucified him. They hated the revelation and manifestation of the image of God. And do we think our flesh is any different than the unsaved state? We're not, it's in us, but we're not of it in Romans 8, 9. But can we function in it? Well, yeah, that's Psalm 8, verse 4. I mean, that's Romans 8, verse 4 through 8. 
This is preciseness. This is preciseness. And how many truly want it? Truthfully, I'm telling you how many want it. I'll tell you how many wanted it this morning. Four. We're two or three. I'm telling you straight out. Does it have to be that way? Are we settling for that? Let me ask you a question. Are we settling that for our family? I mean, if it's not okay for us, why would it not be okay for your family? What? 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 What keeps that from happening? I don't know. Really? Preciseness. Well, they hate his image. And we know that image is Christ. Read Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 3. One who created everything. Well, he said, thus, thus my heart was grieved. Why? When believers don't want to function in Christ, their true image in them. How do they know themselves now? After those lying lust patterns. In John 8 verse 44, he, he deceives the whole world. And he, he is their daddy, even the unsaved world positionally. But oh, how he likes to affect the believer experientially, to daddy them and their experience, to be their father, and to do those lusts of their father that are based upon lies. Because, because a lust is, is based upon a lie, meaning you'll never be satisfied. What makes us think that? Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my emotions. The word was pricked. Remember Paul? When he was Saul, he had, the word of God had to, it pricked him. It had to pierce him. So foolish was I to think that somehow I lose out by how those even that I teach don't want anything to do with it. How foolish I was. And the unsaved, to compare myself with them just because for a time they have riches and don't think they have to go through anything. What are they headed to without Christ? Where are we headed to? A place on this earth of comfort without Christ? Is there any comfort without him? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Verses 3 through 6 through 7. No. And to comfort us, what does that mean? There's going to be suffering here. And that suffering is the thing that separates the lie, the dream, from the reality. So foolish was I. I was ignorant. I, I, I literally didn't know because I stopped thinking with him. I was like, I was as a beast. You know, and you know, like, a, like an animal creation, like a soul. I was thinking only soul. And when I think only soul, self-consciousness, it's everything about the, the body, physical body. No wonder the prayer was in First Thessalonians 5, verse 23. I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. And then faithful is he who calls you, but when he calls, do we listen? Who will also do it? And how does he do that now in our experience? It's through the word. Through the word. Nevertheless, and this is where I am, this is where I'm in between this, me personally. I'm just sharing my own personal time. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. I'm continually with you, God. At my age, which again in Psalm 90 verse 10, 
Average age is between 70 and 80. Average age. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you, right? You have holden me by your right hand, that's Christ, were held and kept by the power of God, 1 Peter 1, 5, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24, and that power that keeps out fear in 2 Timothy 1, 7. So if you correlate those, it's a beautiful thought and a full thought. It keeps the dreams out, the lying dreams. Verse 24, and this is where I know that I am. You will guide me with your counsel. And I'm in this in-between state. I shared this with Barbara yesterday. And afterwards, you're going to receive me to glory. Oh, yes. Soon, Lord, soon. Soon. And then in a moment, we're with him. In a moment, I'm with him. And first... Uh, Corinthians 15, 51, and 52, in the blink of an eye, I'm with him. Absent from this body, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, I'm present with him immediately. That does away with the lie of soul sleep, by the way, and all that false teaching. I'm in between. I'm in between, continually with you, and soon, and soon, and your counsel guiding me, but soon afterwards to receive me to glory. You know why? You know what I realized? At 71 years old in April, this is what I realized. Whom have I in heaven but you? Who do I have? And by the way, who else do I have but those that truly want you and want the word and want fellowship? Who do I truly have? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside you. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. Nope. My flesh, my physical body, and my heart at times, they fail. But God is my rock. He's my strength. Christ is my foundation. What am I building on? In Matthew 7, 24 to 27, what is my family building on? Is it for eternity? Is it the word? He's the strength, the rock of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from you, experientially, not positionally, will perish in their experience. You have destroyed all those that go a-whoring from you. And that's not us. That's the unsaved. But it is good for me to draw near to God. Oh, how we need to draw near constantly. In James 4, 8, draw near to God. Well, who's those that draw near? God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to those that he's humbled. Now submit yourself to God. Then, the, then you will resist the devil, the one who keeps you from Christ, with everything under the sun, you name it. And he'll flee from you. Then you can draw near to God. And he'll draw near to you. Then you can cleanse your hands, whatever you're occupied with. You can cleanse your hands, you sinners. And then you purify your heart, your minds, from being double-minded. Some of the world and the, and the word. I don't know, what's a little leaven do? But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God. 
that I may declare all his works and not get involved with any other kind. You know, I, I read these things and I don't know if I can remember them, but I wrote them down as God gave me these things. Everything for the believer about this world system, everything about this world that we are in now, Satan's world, for a time, is preparing us for the world to come. I read a guy from the 1800s, and this is what, this is what he said. He said, even, even it's good, even in serving God in a spiritual way, it still seems in this way of the world. But he said, in my spirit, this is what he said. He said, in my spirit, I've already crossed the river. I'm on the other side. I belong to a different world. I honestly think that with me. I, 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 in this sense, I just don't. You know, I don't. Because everything about this world, God's going to teach me through the flesh, what I'm not and the pain that it brings and the destruction and the perishing sense in my experience is preparing me for the world to come. Again, we've given this illustration. It's like those big, beautiful hot air balloons. They are tied with ropes, stakes to the earth. And the enemy wants to keep us there in our experience. Everything that's in my mind, my planning, it's all about the things of this earth, these material things, how I can make my life better on this earth. And they keep us bound to the earth. It's very interesting. Do you know, even, even the tabernacle, in Numbers, the fourth chapter, and you'll see it, and even Exodus, that pinned, that pinned the tent where those people lived, and we live in these tents. They had silver stakes. They were made of silver to keep them redeemed from the earth. Well, you know what he does when you, when you get older? This is what he does. Little by little, because he loves us so, he's releasing those ropes. He's cutting every cord that keeps us attached to the earth. He, he's cutting them off. And then sometimes when we're on our way up, and that's what I believe this man was saying. I'm still here. He was saying, and when I read it, I'm like, oh my God, that's me now. He says, I only have strength. Honestly, it's what he said. I only have strength for study work, meaning for his counsel. And he was writing books and stuff. It's all I have right now. He said, but as far as my spirit, I'm already crossed over. I'm already crossed over. And so it's like, and finally he cuts all these things that keep us earthbound in our experience. And then that balloon, it starts to go off. We're not there yet. But as we get higher and higher and we want to go higher, you're going to take all those sand things that you carry with you, those burdens, and you're throwing them off. And so finally in Psalm 90 and verse 10, we are cut off. We soon fly away and we go into his presence. Now, for me personally, my personal testimony is I am in the in-between in Psalm 73, 24 because of 25. And 26. Because of that. I'm right in between there. Based upon Psalm 90 and verse 10. I feel it. I don't have strength for much anymore. But boy it's still the word. It's still his word. It's his counsel. And I get. I'm awestruck at it. I'm awestruck. I don't have it. Uh, 
and I'm not supposed to. I don't have it for anything else. And, uh, and that's not boohoo. That's awesome. That was Paul, Philippians 1, 21 to 24. 24. And it must be, it must be still needful for me as it was for him and needful for others. But I am telling you, as far as my spirit is, it's on the other side. There's nothing here. There's his church and those that I love and deeply desire to fellowship with and hunger. Oh, come on. God would pour out the blessings and riches of his word and then not make it available for you. Oh, stop it. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe it. I just don't. We can call it whatever. But I know one thing. He will make a way for us. He will. He will make a way. But I don't know about you. And Barbara and I have said this. It's the truth. It, it, and it's true in my life. More people that I had an intimate, true experience with, more of them are in heaven than those that I know on this earth. And you know something? The, ver- the, the true, Truly, those that want me, and I mean that's Christ in me in an exchange and that we need to have with each other, they're very few. Truthfully, they're very, very few. They're very few. And, uh, but thank God, in, in, in Psalm 17 and verse 15, all the psalmist said, Oh boy, when I awake, finally, when I awake from everything about this earth and I'm in your presence, oh, how beautiful it is. How beautiful it is. And boy, I, I believe I'm just on my way. And he's teaching me to throw out those things that, that interfere with the word in my life. And I'm on my way. <laughs> and I don't mean a boo-hoo, I don't. I'm on my way. And Psalm 90 in verse 10, we are soon cut off that average, and we fly away. Yes, into his presence. And Father, we thank you for the reality of your word. And oh, how we have the light of the word just for a short time, a little while. Look in the Gospel of John. Look it up. How how many times Jesus said, you have, you have me for a little while, and I'm only here for a little while. And then I'm gone. And then I'm gone. Father, we thank you and praise you. <laughs> thank you that this is foremost, the most important thing about us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.